Hey, it's Josh Risden from the Socceroos, and you're listening to the Shooting Zars podcast. Here comes Alan Shearer. It's Shearer for Newcastle. The way he brought that down was fabulous. Catanoa. Oh, Aguero. Only football can make you feel like this. Yes, yes, I think that we have a strong squad. That we are going to have a better performance in the future. Of course, when you don't start with just one point in four games, it's difficult to continue talking about about the same trust, but I think that we have a good squad. Is a good squad enough, though, boys? Bryce Conway, Alex Grant with me, Stuart Marshall here with the Shooting Zars for episode five of the Premier League series. A good squad, is that enough for West Ham? So much money spent in the summer to get this team up the table and to get them pushing for Europe. But nothing yet. Just played right, four, man, played four, lost four, Bryce. Yeah, they're looking shocking. I think, and one of the biggest things I've gathered from it, I've really looked at Wilshere because I really wanted him to bounce back. A player with so much promise over the years. He's kind of been hampered by injuries and just, he looks knackered working that midfield and it's just not working out for him. Alex, how are you? Great. Good. All right. We've He's all, glowing. We've all, had, we've all had our introductions and we're going to focus on West Ham here for the second edition of the Blowtorch Stove Pot. When it comes to win at Mars, we'll just not quite have it. They're playing with 10 half the time with Mesut Ozil in their team. The worst thing you can ever be thrown at your own team or think of them is being bullied and being weak. Maybe that's, that's as good as it gets for them. Maybe that is as good as it gets for them because West Ham are a perennial bottom table or bottom half of the table team and they've tried and they've tried and as you mentioned, it isn't really getting good. Yeah, it's just, it's looking awful for them. They're at the foot of the table, and yet their keeper, one of their big recruits, Lucas Fabianski, is leading the saves. So they're getting peppered. He's doing his best, and they're still getting battered. He's a really good keeper, Fabianski. He's fantastic. He formerly of Arsenal and Swansea yeah, as well. He was very good at Swansea last season. Seems it was like pretty a really much the only reason they almost survived. So he's he's definitely one to. Yeah. So seems like a really good signing. He's a great, yeah, he's a great keeper, for mm. sure, definitely. Now, what's your take on a team that spends this much money? and doesn't perform this early in the season? Is it too early to be throwing throwing things out the window with Pellegrini, do you think? Look, they have, they've got a great squad. Um, but yeah, the onus is really on Pellegrini now to to sort this team out and, and bring them together and get them higher up the table. Last year, or over recent years, probably West Ham fans have complained that the club hasn't pumped money into the into the squad and they've not had the players they've wanted to for them to do well in the league. And now they've spent the money. Uh, Pellegrini's got to do something about it. And like I said, he signed players, and they're just not performing at the moment. The only bright spot for me is Anderson. Yeah, for sure. Um, he really does look good. And I think if you can look, you've got Arnautovic as well in there. I think if you can like base a team round these players, I mean, uh, they have done that though, have they not? But they, he's done that around Arnautovic, I would say. He's clearly made him the main man. Sure. Arnautovic was running the captain's armband the other week, which surprised me. He surprises everyone, really. But I would say that they have yeah. built their team around Arnautovic, but he's now the main guy that, in that side, I would say. But I still think he's he's not sure maybe what his best eleven is. He, he rested, well, whether he rested. He didn't play Noble at the weekend. He's been shocking this season. But Jack Wilshire, yeah. he's not performed well. He looked, he's looked all right in, in little spells, but... 
they're just not doing enough at the moment and they look lacklustre and just... And one of the yeah. biggest things with West Ham is what what you associate with them is just their, their fans and how, how much it means to them and that sense of community and real traditional football club. Since they've come to London Stadium, I feel like that kind of... Their identity has been a bit in flux and you're not really sure what they are. I mean, under Bilic, a former West Ham player, of course, you know, kind of brought them all together, but yep. then... Just the players they're bringing in are like all over the shop. It's not. It just doesn't scream a West Ham team that you kind of usually associate. So with they've now. they spent over a hundred million pounds and they bought a new manager effectively in Pellegrini. Yeah. Well, you you look. You've got to remember Pellegrini. He's won a Premier League. He's won two League Cups. I mean, he guided Manchester City to their highest finish in the Champions League, making it to the semi-final. So it, the pedigree's there. But do you know what I mean? He, he, this is not what he's used to. No, yeah. this is what he said. We don't have any points after the last game. We don't have any points. This is a quote. We don't have any points and have lost six points at home, but I'm confident because I see the players working well during the week. Now, we must try to take the pressure off and try to play 90 minutes in the way we work every day. For us, no points in our four games is not indicative of the quality of the squad we have. I did read that uh, Pellegrini would make about £15 million if West Ham binned him, so I think they're going to hang on to him for a few more you would expect a month or two more to see how the results pan out. Yeah, he's got a good just, agent, doesn't he? He's, he's pulled yeah, that out. It's just looking grim right now, but I hope they can turn it around. I love West Ham. All right. still, yeah, he's still early doors. Final word yeah. on West Ham. What's what's the short-term solution, Alex? Give him a quick fix. Get Pellegrini on the From ball. From a player's perspective, when you've... When, what, what's your... You know, come on. You've been around teams maybe that have been in this situation that aren't performing early. I think definitely a change of personnel. You just need an injection, something different and to start with. And if that doesn't work, then uh, I ain't got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> I no. think one of their biggest problems has been in midfield. It's just, it's just, it doesn't seem to be working in there. And personnel-wise, you've got Noble, who's been the captain and talisman the past few years, out of form and out of the squad. And then you've got Jack Wilshire that just seems to be running around in circles, not really knowing what's going on. And he seems to be very tired at around the hour mark or whatever. Mm. So it's just it's just really not looking good for them. Now, we've got a stat on another manager who began the Premier League, a Premier League season with four defeats. Yeah, look, very, very similar to the position that Pellegrini was in this season. Frank De Boer, who was appointed as Crystal Palace's manager at the start of last season, was sacked after his first four games as manager there. Um, obviously, Roy Hodgson took over, and he's he kept them up, and he's uh, he's he's doing all right this season. They're looking trash again. They're looking Palace. all right. Yeah. Yeah. Benteke seriously needs to go. Mm. I f- I feel for that bloke, but it's just been an absolute plateau. How do players just lose it, eh? Like it's a confidence thing for sure. He just seems he, he missed another howler on the weekend. For me, though, he's never really done it. I don't know. I've Villa, he was a beast. Yeah, he was good, but I don't know. In a whether. in a bad bad team. Yeah. Anyway, Manchester, uh, not Manchester City, they're next, but West Ham United, yes. they uh, definitely got the blowtorch on them. Yeah, in some strife. In some strife. All right, we're going to go to Pep Guardiola v Leroy Sané here. We will brush over the results in this episode, but there is a few, as you would expect, storylines popping up throughout this Premier League season. There's now been a month of games, so we're going to focus on the storylines and you know that sort of angle for this episode, I think. But Pep Guardiola v Leroy Sané. Apparently, Leroy Sane has an attitude problem. Yeah, it's been an eventful uh, few months for poor old Leroy Sane, who got, you know, obviously, the PFA's Young Player of the Season in the Premier League last year. Didn't get picked for the Germany squad in the World Cup and now hasn't started a match for Manchester City this season. Seems to be a bit on the outer and sulking on the bench. And I mean, 
Guardiola's picked up on that and he's kind of labelled that as the reasons as to why he's not playing is his attitude's been a bit out of check. So it's going to be interesting to see how that um, plays out. I mean, he's obviously an extremely talented player, but it's just not working out for him right now. Guardiola said he played 10 minutes against Wolves. He tried. He was not precise, but he tried. They convinced me I'm satisfied from the moment they run mistakes without the ball, taking decisions as part of the process. <laughs> I was so sad with Phil. That was a big, long, stupid, yeah. uh, not needed quote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he sort of... Uh, Guardiola's sort of playing it down a bit and sort of saying, yeah, the attitude, and then likening it to other players not being in the squad. Fancy, naming, yeah. naming Phil Foden as one. Fancy your manager saying you tried. Mm. Like, mm. yeah, it's not, that's not good. And Sterling's just so good for that team, so I reckon that's the biggest issue for Sané. Al. And Mares. Yeah, look, um, it's whether he throws him back in there now. Obviously, Raheem Sterling's pulled out the England squad um, at the start of the week with a, a back injury, I think it was. Um, but I th- look, I think it could be a wake-up call for Sane. Big time. What does this say about Meteoric rise? There's obviously an underlying issue there um, with his attitude. If obviously he's been dropped from the German squad in the World Cup, like we said, and and now Man City. So there's obviously there's obviously something there that he's not happy with. Yeah. And, you know, we used to call it being massive time. I'm not saying he is, but he might be. Do you know what I mean? It's just it, yeah, I think it would have been huge. I mean, he had all that success last season. Wins the young player of the season, obviously you know feeling good about himself, plenty of confidence. Then to not get picked for the Germany squad could have dented his whole preseason. His attitude leading into it, getting to camp, he would have been a bit very moody. I mean, you could expect that. I think that's, and especially for such a young lad, I think that's quite. But you know that happens. I think it's it's one of their first time. It's a big obstacle for him. It's going to be really important to see how he reacts. In those situations, though, from an outside perspective, you want that sort of stuff to motivate you. And obviously, we're not players, and I'm not, yep. so it's hard. Some, when you're in that situation, I'm sure it's hard. But you would have thought Sane getting a full preseason at Man City would have been in much earlier than all the World Cup players. Yeah, he would have been. Would have been the best opportunity to continue his form from last season into this year, would you not, Al? Yeah, definitely. Like, he's, he's he's shown everyone now um, who's watched him that he's an unbelievable player and he's got the potential to be the best in the world. Um, and he's not far off at the moment. Um, and like we said, yeah, with the... With the attitude and stuff, I think um, it, it's good to have for a young player to have a, a bit of arrogance about him, to have that confidence. To, like Azani, and, and exactly like Azani. I mean, I spoke to Neil Kilkenny about that the other yeah. day, and he and I said to him when we've played him, he he, he comes across as a bit arrogant, um, a bit up himself. But it, it's actually a good trait to have if you can manage it. Do you know what I mean? Because you put that expectation on yourself, and you really need to adhere to it at all times. Definitely, and you can it, it kind of it can frustrate your your opponent. It can get in the head of an opponent, um, and I, like I said, for a young player to to have that um, within its limits, like I said, is, is I think a good oh, a good just, tool to have. Just on Arzani, I saw today he's didn't make the Europa League squad for Celtic, the forty three man squad. So, but do we expect? Did we expect him to make that squad? Ah, uh, yes. Can you go out on loan from a loan club? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> he's playing reserves over there at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scotland, so. He's made his first try. I, th- I, just think that's, I, definitely, I just think that's disappointing from a Socceroos perspective and kind of as a fan But it's of not, him. it's not a one-year loan. It's a two-year loan. That I know, made. but still, it's a season of no European football. Mm. And that's that would have been something that would have really appealed to me, would have been really excited about. So I'm a bit gutted for him. I'm so. sure he'll get the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Player. It's just, yeah, disappointing to hear that. Yes. Anyway, a bit of arrogance is good, according to Alex. Azani's got it. Sane clearly does, but he maybe isn't managing it as well as he could be. 
Now, Bryce, we're going to go to Watford here. Um, yes. Are Watford doing a Leicester? Mate, the Hornets are on the rise, and I'm loving every minute of it. They, the stat that I saw on the weekend, when Leicester won the league, the season before, they finished on 41 points. And now Watford, last season, finished on 41 points. And now they are currently sitting in third spot. Four wins from four games. And only other, only other teams to do that are Chelsea and Liverpool. Yes. So they've started it on absolute fire. And Pereira has been absolutely immense for them so far. Although their kit is it's horrible. I don't know what the stripes are doing. But uh-huh. Their form is much better than their kit. Let's yeah. put it that way. They beat Tottenham Hotspur at Vicarage Road. Massive surprise. Massive surprise. Two one, yeah. Not playing really well. Alex, what's your take on Watford? Ken, are they doing a Leicester... Are they going to die off? Yeah, look, it's early doors. I remember when we all said, when we all, when Wester, uh, Leicester, Wester, Wester. Wester. <laughs> <laughs> Can't talk properly. Um, yeah, when obviously Leicester went on their their run and, and how well they did, um, a lot of it was down to, obviously they were a, a great, great team, but obviously Jamie Vardy was firing. Um, obviously Troy Deeney scored. Love Deeney. How the good weekend. is he? Passion. Um, and yeah, and like, I, I listened to a podcast the other day and um, they spoke to Ben Foster on it and he just he gave credit to the manager, obviously, and said that he got him really fit uh, in pre-season. There was a, a good atmosphere around the co- uh, the camp and that um, the whole team itself was so organised and it, it was just real good spirit amongst the lads and the back four were, have been playing tremendously well and Ben Foster coming from a team that has been relegated... Uh, last season, West Brom, um, he's he's doing really well and just shows that he's he's a he's a really good keeper. Mm, big time. And Javi Garcia, their coach, has just done a cracking job so far. I mean, he started out. He was come from Ruben Kazan in Russia before, and he had a very esteemed career in La Liga. I just think he's he's been bossing it so far. But Watford did have a good start last season and died off around Jan, so it could it could finish that way again. Who knows? But I'm just I'm very much enjoying the upset. I mean, I think it's the r- first real upset. Oh, no, Brighton. Brighton over United. But this yep. is one of the other bigger upsets, I'd mm-hmm. say, Watford over Spurs. And Spurs yep. were looking great. Yeah, big po- result. Yeah, big time. I think it's I think it's great for the league to have this kind of run with a team that you don't expect it from. Yes, so they beat Tottenham 2-1 at Vicarage Road, as I said. Burnley lost at home 2-0 to Man U. Big result for United. Cardiff lost at home to Arsenal 3-2. Good game, that. We will be interviewing James Dodd from Fox Sports. All right, interviewed James Dodd from Fox Sports yesterday. That'll be coming up later in the podcast. We'll be discussing all things Arsenal then. But Arsenal got a much-needed win. Man City beat a gallant Newcastle 2-1 at home. West Ham lost at home, as we mentioned, to Wolves. Everton and Huddersfield drew. Palace lost at home to Southampton. Bit of an interesting result there for Palace. Chelsea had a comfortable win at home against Bournemouth. Brighton and Fulham played out a two-old draw. Mitrovic is on fire. Oh, mate, did you see what he did in that last, to get in that peno? He just handballs in the box. And you could see <laughs> every player looking at, like, hands to their head straight, like, what were you thinking? Yeah. Oh, But he's scoring goals, that's he for sure. He's on fire, yeah. yeah he is. Uh, and is he top of the goal-scoring charts? He's I'm pretty sure. Uh, him and Mane on four? Yeah, mm. him and Mane on four. Newcastle, Newcastle, Newcastle. Missed a trick there, didn't you? What are they doing? Anyway, oh. Leicester lost at home. Uh, 2-1 to Liverpool. So Liverpool continue their winning form. However, they conceded a goal uh, <laughs> in the most ridiculous of circumstances. So this brings us to our next talking point, goalkeeper mess-ups. And there's a couple goalkeepers in the spotlight after the round on the weekend. We'll start with Alisson, Bryce. Yeah, he uh, tried to Cruyff turn on the byline in his own box. Uh, 
I mean, you say that about even a defender doing it and you'd be arguing why you trying that move in your own box, I think. Granty, would you agree with that, mate? Yeah, well, I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> with greater plomb. But I think Allison last week against Brighton chipped it over a play. I think it was knockout. Came off, everyone loved it. Crowd were up in raptures about his skills on the ball. And then this time he uh, conceded a goal because of it when he should have just lumped it up the field. And yeah, it's just one of those gaps that Carrius kind of got binned for, so it's quite an interesting uh, little development. I have a thought here. Go on then. Carrius is now known as the gaff keeper, right? <laughs> his reputation has been savaged by his errors in the Champions League final. Do you think that Alisson, you know, he's come in as the saviour, right? He is. Come in, come in as the saviour for Liverpool, solved all their goalkeeping issues over the past five years or whatever. Yeah. And just got a little bit too arrogant. Thought he was a bit too good. I think it's and the way he plays. If you look at his career where he started at Roma, at Roma, this this kind of stuff happened at the very start as well. What him making these kind of errors? There were a couple. When he found he, it took a bit of time for him to find his feet, and he ended up being one of the world's best keepers. He's now Brazil's number one because of his form at Roma. And I think it's no coincidence that this happened. He tries this kind of stuff with his feet, and he's come out and said publicly, like, when you watch me play, like, I'll get the heart heart rate up from things that I do so I, d- I just think this is a mistake it didn't in- didn't stop us from winning a game it didn't interfere the result and I just think which you're, you're lucky though oh no for sure definitely but like it didn't happen in a big game and we're all good we still won 2-1 but I, st- I think yeah he's going to have to rein it in a bit you say it didn't happen in a big game but are you worried that it'll happen again then because when he does come up against better opposition is he going to make the same mistakes honestly I'm not worried. I have great confidence in this bloke, and I don't know if that is bias, but I think he's fantastic. Um, I I hope it doesn't happen, and touch wood, it doesn't happen. But I, I'm confident in this bloke. Look, I think it will. Um, of course, you <laughs> would. <laughs> you weren't biased at all, Bryce. But I just think it's um, the modern day keeper we're we're beginning to see now, and that teams who play a certain style of football or recruitment in the Premier League. You can you've seen that uh, with Edison and Guardiola and the type of keeper that he's brought brought in there um, ball playing ball playing goalkeepers they've got to be as good with the feet than they are with the hands but you can see Arsenal Peter Cech one player who has been playing away his whole whole career that when he ball you know he's there big presence at the back um, good solid keeper pulls off great saves every game you know he's pulled Chelsea out out the um I was going to use a swear word then, but I can't Ooh. do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, pulled him out the mocker, whatever you want to say. And yeah. then, um, yeah, he's, he's done the same at Arsenal at times. And I just think that he's been asked to do something now that he can't, he's not used to. He's, he's a, a seasoned pro, you know, and it's like, it's, it's hard for him to I think to readjust his game. Definitely. I think watching Czech, it's so awkward when he tries to use his feet. It's like when you teaching your grandparents how to use the internet sometimes where it's just that they just don't quite click with it and it's not seamless and I just feel like that's happening with Czech mm. great shot stopper mm. but I think they need to give Bernd Leno a chance mm. honestly because he's that modern keeper and especially out of Germany they're very good with the ball at their feet those keepers coming from Leverkusen as well Leno and he's a big money signing for them as well I think you've got to give him a go it if things don't improve under Czech in the next few weeks it seems like a matter of time um, and He's better check more than just, you know, he just seems like the old school shot stopper now, doesn't he? And we spoke about it a couple of episodes ago and look, the trend is continuing. Petr check looks nervous when he plays and that's Definitely. the problem. And I, f- I feel like the the way these teams play 
uh, at the back where they pl- pass the ball around and, and include the keeper a lot. I think teams need to recognise this and and actually just Press. go, go at them, yeah. you know, because they will give you a chance some point in, in the game. And, and obviously all the teams in the Premier League have got the quality to capitalise on the mistakes and, and to put the ball away if if the um, opportunity arises to. And I think that these, like Liverpool, we're talking about Liverpool, Arsenal and Man City because they're probably the three standouts who, who do do it a lot. And I think they'll give you a goal at some point if you if you press them high and, and put them under pressure. All right, we talk about this in a lot more depth, and we're going to go to that interview now. I caught up with James Dodd, Fox Sports News reporter, ex-Talk Sport radio man from the UK. Um, and yeah, had a big chat to him about Arsenal in particular. So this one's for the Arsenal fans, and that'll be up right after this. G'day, this is Adam Peacock from Fox Sports. You're listening to the Shooting Zars podcast. So on the line now, we have Fox Sports News reporter James Dodd, who's been kind enough to join us here on the Shooting Zars podcast. Doddy, how you doing? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Stu. How you doing? It's awesome to have you on the podcast, Doddy. Obviously, you're a well-traveled journalist, having covered the sports over in the UK for many, many years. Um, just give the listeners an insight into your background um, and sort of how you came out to Australia. Absolutely, yeah. So I've been out in, uh, out in Australia for oh, about 16, 17 months now. I was uh, used to work for a radio station dedicated to football, really in the UK called TalkSport. I was their live football producer for probably about four or five Premier League seasons and that was a fantastic uh, experience for me being able to you know, live, breathe Premier League football and it's a fantastic learning curve, especially in the UK where it is, you know, if you compare it to Australia as an example, UK is it's number one football. It's, it's, it's every single fan in the country has a Premier League team has, or, or a League One team, League Two championship team. Football is, is there is their bread and butter. So it's uh, it's been great to come over to Australia and experience what it's like, you know, for the fans that are so committed, having to having to get up at two AM, three AM, four AM, whatever time the game kicks off <laughs> to uh to experience and just follow their team with the passion that, that they you know, fans have around the world. So it's um it's been a great eye opener. But yeah, been at Fox Sports News now for probably just over a year and it's um, it's been good really, you know, working on all their sort of reporting on their Premier League stuff and the Champions League stuff as well and it's uh, it's a great you know, great way to, to further the development of my uh, my career as well. I'm really enjoying it. We're going to focus on Arsenal here. So this one's for the Arsenal fans. You're an Arsenal man yourself, aren't you? I'm indeed. I'm indeed. And obviously, fans, yeah. <laughs> it's been a been an interesting sort of couple of months for Arsenal off the pitch and obviously a transition period uh, for the club. How have you seen Arsenal's transition under the new manager, Emery? Um, and I suppose, yeah, what's your take on the club at the moment? I think a lot of Arsenal fans are thinking now that Emery's gone, you know, that he's... he's there's been a clear of his old start of trying to get rid of those mentalities, that sort of almost dictatorship that he had at the club where he was all seeing, all knowing, he had all the power. And now he's brought in where he's actually a head coach in Unai Emery who's tasked with purely coaching the team. You know, they've got a head of recruitment in who is responsible for identifying young up-and-coming players, players who aren't necessarily going to cost 40, 50 million pounds. Mm. They've also had the chief executive, Ivan Gazidis, who's taken more of a hands-on role this year, as well as uh, Ralph Sanier. He was head of football relations. So they've really tried to build this team around, you know, they've tried to build a football team, but at management level. Yep. And they've just recruited Unai Emery to come in and say, your job is to f- solely focus on coaching this team. Now, we'll supply the players for you. You have to get your message, your footballing message across to those players. And, 
it's going to take six months. If we're being honest, it's going to take six months to try and, and, and implement all these new changes. But I think we are seeing definitely the green shoots of, of something new. But, mm. you know, as we saw against Cardiff at the weekend, mm. there are, there's still a lot to work on and there's still a lot that and I don't think that's going to happen overnight. No, well, you've brought up Cardiff, so we'll go to the weekend's match, and it's um, Arsenal have got a couple of wins under their belt now for this season. Um, 3-2 against Cardiff away. Obviously, the, the defence is still a big talking point for the Arsenal Football Club. Uh, there's two two main areas there. Firstly, are you? what's your take on the defence with Socrates and Mustafi in the cent- in the centre there? And then move on to Petacek and give us your thoughts on Petacek as the number one keeper at the moment. Well, the two central defenders, Socrates, when he was brought in from Borussia Dortmund, he didn't enjoy a particularly good season with Dortmund last season. Maybe it's because he needs a change, change of scenery, and you know that happens with all players. And when you pair him with someone like Skodran Mustafi, who realistically, since he's come, he come into the club, albeit you know big money as well, he can't mm. arrive for. Mm. He is a liability. He doesn't communicate. If you look at when Arsenal concede goals, and say you know as an example, it comes from an error from him or or the ball's given away in midfield, he, he loses his head. And and what happens then is when when a goal and everything does go in, he's the first person to point, point and blame and you know and, and 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 have a bit of a moan. And I think Socrates will be good for him, but I think these two have got a long way to go yet before they form any type of partnership, mm. you know. I think when Lucas Torreira is, is fully fit and when he's, you know, acclimatised to the Premier League, which he made a very good cameo appearance against Cardiff at the weekend in that sort of holding midfielder role, I think he will add a lot more reassurance to this Arsenal team and I think he'll add a lot more protection to those two at the back. But there's definitely still a lot of work to be done. Mm, and what's your, a quick word on Petacek? Is he going to be the long-term number one for Arsenal? Will he finish this season as the number one? No, I don't think he will. Um, I think you've bought, they've brought in a goalkeeper in Bern Leno who is renowned for being quite good with his feet. It does ask questions if Unai Emery has seen him firsthand in training and he's still gone with Petr Cech, um, even though Cech quite clearly has limitations with his feet. He's very uncomfortable playing you know, out the ball out when he's in tight situations. He's never had to do that in his career. He's never played in the Chelsea sides where they've done that. Even the Arsenal teams under Arsene Wenger when Cech was there play out from the back as much as they are being asked asked to do so now. I would be amazed if once the Europa League gets underway and a few of the cup competitions kick in, if Leno has a few good games and Czech has one more bad game, I think that's when we'll see the change happen. One final topic. Obviously, there's been much uh, made about Aubameyang and Lacazette. They've obviously started on the weekend together. Both got on the score sheet, both wicked goals themselves. What's your take on them two? Can they work uh, together, do you think? It's a good good question because I think if you actually look at Aubameyang, he he came out the other day and had a you know a nice message really for the fans. He said it helps when me and Laka, as he refers to him, play together because we're friends off the pitch. We've got a natural chemistry and we've got a natural connection with one another. My question is whether or not he is as effective when he's pushed out wide left because once you put into that position, you know there's the pressing game which you take into account and the players will be changing their positions, but. He will also have to be tasked with covering his fullback. Um, now, I'm not sure that's something he is a comfortable with, and b a, a great way to utilise his strength and his talent. Lacazette, my question would also be there: is can Lacazette do the opposite role? Can he shift out to the left when Aubameyang comes in central? And 
I'd like to see them play as a two, maybe, and, and switch the formation. Maybe play a diamond in midfield, which leaves Ozil as the ten, and you can incorporate three midfielders behind that. But again, it, I, I'd like the idea of certainly having Arsenal's two most expensive ever players playing up front together and scoring, you know, fifty goals a season. <laughs> but at the moment, I think Emery was is maybe reluctant to do so. Dotty, we'll get your tip. Where are they going to finish up at the end of the season to finish us off here? I think Arsenal will finish fifth this season, but I think they could well be in for a good run in the Europa League under Unai Emery, as we all know, is a Europa League specialist. Mm. So I think there could be that avenue to get into the Champions League. There we go. A bit of hope still for Arsenal fans. James Dodd from Fox Sports, thank you so much for your time here on the Shooting Zars podcast. No problem at all. Yeah, no one knows, but I nearly lost my leg. I was really close to, to actually losing my leg and you know, I never knew that until six months later when, when the doctor told me. And so, yeah, of course, uh, if I knew that, then I would have never stopped. I would have, if, even if he had told me that, you know, it, it, there's a worry, I, I would have, you know, tried. But now, of course, I found out that six months later and, you know, it was, it was hard for me to, to realise that. But look, like I said, um, the leg's feeling really strong now, so it's good. It's good, and it is very good for him because he's back in the England squad, and that was Luke Shaw at a press conference for England a couple of days ago, or yesterday now. But, um, yeah, nearly lost his leg. Everyone knows how bad his leg break was a few years ago now. It's PSV in the uh, Champions League when he was in red-hot form as well. The Europa League? Europa League League it was. was Europa League. (laughs) 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 But I just, I think it was a very, really in-depth and honest conversation from Luke Shaw and I think it goes to show changing attitude within the England camp and how they address the media they just it seems like a comfortable environment now it used to be so prickly um, you think? Without, uh, definitely especially Capello and everything in, mm. in charge just the players really didn't give too much but I feel they're really opening up and I just think they're, it just it's the sign of a comfortable squad and they're really getting along and oh. I just think I just think <laughs> how good is Luke Shaw's Voice just there. Sounds Lord like a roadman. Sure. Sounds like a roadman. I just don't know what's got uh, done my leg, you know. Mm. It's just, yeah, it's very interesting. Didn't expect it. From Kingston upon Thames. 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 You get me. Thames. 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 Alex, Thames. Luke Shaw. Yeah, Lord, he's probably been arguably United's best player over the last first four games. Um, it's actually, I, I really like the fact that he's, after everything that's been said over him and the criticism he's probably copped over the last couple of years and like, coming back from an injury as bad as that. Uh, it's, it is great to see him doing well and, and thriving at the moment. Definitely. Yes. Uh, he's, like you said, one of the, probably United's best players so far in what's been an up-and-down season as we've gone over so much. And it's only getting worse for Jose Mourinho off the field as uh, the latest headline to drop about the man from Portugal is Jose Mourinho reaches agreement with Spanish tax office to avoid jail. The Manchester United manager was accused of defrauding Spain's tax office of 3.3 million euros in unpaid taxes over image rights income in 2011 and 2012 while in charge of Real Madrid. A source close to Mourinho told ESPN FC that the former Chelsea boss signed an agreement with prosecutors at the tax office over two months ago and a prison term was replaced with a fine, meaning no prison sentence or suspended sentence. Now, this brings us a topic of conversation that my father has kindly offered up to us. Um, should the UK government deport him as he's now a convict? Nah, because he's too interesting and he's too vital to our content on this podcast. Yes. 
Overly harsh. Overly harsh. Yeah. Defo. I just, I just think there's... The government are never going to deploy. Oh, I don't know. It's nah. just happened to so many big players. It's in Spain. Like, Ronaldo, and then the next day he scored a hat-trick against Spain. That he, the country he owed money to. It's happened with Messi as well. And yet, you know these blokes have got guys taking care of their cash. They're not making these decisions mm. with how, the, how much tax they're paying. Do you reckon Messi reckon- sits down and does his tax sheet? I don't. You've got to remember it as well. In England, he's probably... well. Probably. He is definitely in the highest tax bracket there. Yeah, you'd say so. so. Yeah, well, definitely. And yeah, I yeah. think it's it's pretty much 50% tax. So an awful lot of money's going to the tax money in is England. That, is now. that what it is in England? It is, yeah. So awful. But I'm, I think people people tend to forget that, that actually half, half their income. Half like footballers, they earn a lot of money, but a lot of money goes to the tax man as well. And then that gets spent on, on every, everyone else. No, it's definitely 50. I think it was 49. I remember when I was there, they just need, Oh, you need to go to Singapore and play footy ground. It's like the tax there is unbelievable. On Switzerland. Ooh, <laughs> Aruba <laughs> on TV. Just go, yeah, go to the Caribbean and play yeah. footy. Actually. What's the leagues like that? <laughs> I don't know. I should be your up, agent, set, mate. Set up seriously. An offshore account. You yeah. Know. yeah. Well, it's like United's actually based in an Island in, in off the Caribbean. And it's just like that's the actual like HQ for like, obviously for tax purposes. I mean, it's such a bad look. Is yeah. That really? yeah. It, but at the end of the day, it always catches up to them. It seems they, <laughs> they all they probably think at the at the time, oh, what a great idea, you know, geniuses. And, yeah, look yeah. at us. So they always get found out. Mm. But Mourinho, look, there's a lot going on in his life. There's no doubt about that. So that's all the missus is happy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> the main thing. Yeah, yeah. happy well, wife, happy life. That's well, it. He, I don't know. Last Mourinho wasn't happy last season. He was living in a hotel. His his family's still living in London. His daughter's still living in London, going to school down there. You know, hopefully for his sake that his wife's moved up and his family's actually moved up to Manchester to be with him. But yeah, a lot going on there. Interesting news, Bryce. Yes. You pointed this out before we went on air. Uh, the Premier League, and we've spoken about this, and you and I have the same opinion on this. Uh, apparently, they're going to trial the VAR, and this news has dropped in the last few hours. We're recording this on a Wednesday night, quite yeah. late, so. In the last few hours, apparently, the Premier League is going to try the VAR well, yeah. this season. As you mm. said, you and I you and I were are for this because it d- did so well in the uh, World Cup, we thought. So the Premier League will trial VAR at 15 matches this season, starting after the uh, international break this weekend. So the PGMOL, which is the Professional Game Match Officials Limited, aimed to prove the system is fit for purpose before presenting its findings to Premier League shareholders next year with the aim of fully introducing it from next season. I'm for this. I think this is great, and I, I can't wait to hear what Grant has to say on this. Well, we know what he's going to say, but yeah. I'm also for this because yeah. um, there's been goal. There's been a few goals now that have happened because of non-VAR decisions, and they shouldn't have counted. And i.e. Mane's goal in that first game he watched was wait till it happens in a offside. final. That's all I'm going to say. Wait till yep. it happens in a big, big game. Yep. Alex, no comment. No comment. <laughs> 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 Got nothing else to say. Don't say it at all. I love no, that. Lot, That's lot. good. VAR, like like I think you touched on it last time, Stu, in the last pod. I think eventually, as much as I probably am against it, it's coming. It's, it's coming. It is going to come. It's going to happen. Um, obviously, the, the the game has to has to advance, um, and and things have to be changed for the for the punters to keep coming. And yeah, obviously, it's it's. I'm not a massive fan, but yeah, we'll, we'll look, we'll see. It'll bring up controversy, like we spoke about. Um, Maybe even more than what we've got at the moment. So yeah, it's fair to say that VAR is coming home. It, it is, is coming home. It is yes. All right. Um, all right. Liverpool have employed a throw-in specialist here. Have yeah, they, we've have, got a. Have they not? Yeah, I mean, 
by any means necessary to win the league, I guess. But Klopp's are, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's employed a specialist. Al, you're across this. Give us the dates, mate. Yeah, so um, it's a Danish guy, Thomas Gronemark. Um, he was probably the most surprising arrival um, at Anfield over the summer. Major coup. Yeah, and lo- and I think if you look to the World Cup uh, set pieces, we we spoke about it there that. They were they were massive for teams. Like a lot of goals came from set pieces, free kicks, um, and obviously Liverpool have hired an area where they think they can take advantage um, and get and get more goals goals from that from throw-ins. You remember Rory Delap when he was at Stoke, great reputation for the long throw-in, um, and they were renowned for scoring goals. Um, but I, look, I think I think it's if you've got the money, why not? To employ someone a specialist like that, they I don't do. actually know what he's going to do though. Do you know what I mean? Like, are we going to see? Are we going to see Liverpool taking long throw-ins? Have they got a long throw? I've seen a video of him, and he's got the world record for the longest throw. It's like sixty meters or something ridiculous, and he does that little flip when he throws it. Remember oh, that right. Iranian guy yeah. in the World Cup that just. Yeah. Oh, God. But, yeah, I don't think we'll be seeing the Liverpool lads do that, but I think it'll improve their technique, wh- what area to put it in, how to be and strengthen in that area for sure. Yeah, so he teaches three types of throw-ins, does Granamart, the long throw-in, the fast throw-in, um, <laughs> which can obviously launch counter-attacks, um, and the clever throw-in, he calls it, which Ooh. is all about keeping um, possession under pressure. Um, As opposed to the dumb throw-in. Yeah, look, he says, I focus on everything you can imagine. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a throwing, so not too much. And it's not just the technique of the throw, but how to receive it, how to make the right runs, the positioning, creating space. <laughs> I'm just imagining his first chat with the squad. And they're like, "Is this that serious?" Look, some of them. Are, yeah, <laughs> look, yeah. I don't know. Good on him for making a living out of this, though. I yeah, mean, fair credit play. To Seriously, Absolute yeah. Opportunities, Ste- stealing a living, Love but it. fair play to the yeah, guy. Yeah. Good on him. From a tactical perspective, long throw-ins maybe work once every 15. <laughs> right to lap. I mean, built a career on it. So, And look, I want to see, uh, what was his name? Uh, Milad Ma- Mohamedi, the Iranian in the yeah, World yeah, Cup yeah. when he did the somersault. I want to see I want to see, see Robertson on the, on oh, the wing doing flips. Can you imagine Alexander-Arnold? Oh, just pinging it into the box. Yes. Speaking of Robbo, uh, shouts to Robbo for now being named uh, Scotland's new captain. Mm. Meteoric rise. And he's yes. now an elite Fullback, so congratulations to him. Yes, Robertson left back for the Liverpool. He's doing very good things this season. All right, um, another man doing very good things this season and sort of peaking towards the end of his career, uh, Glenn Murray. Oh, my boy. Putting it on, turning it on this year, is he not? He's 34, going on 35 this month, and he scored three goals in the opening four games for Brighton. And he consistently scored goals last year as well when they needed him as well. And he's he consistently, seemed to always pop uh, up and get yeah, the goals when they needed him. He's consistently grown his hair back as well, which I've noticed. So, you know, Let's not get too carried away. He scored one pen and he scored against Man United. He scored right? a worldie. That, <laughs> that little chip through when he just... That was a great goal. He just goal. bossed Lindelof off he the did. ball and dinged. I mean, even Messi would have been proud of that finish. I'm just... he For me, it screams like he didn't get chosen in the England squad, obviously. That's completely fair enough. But he's a man in form. He just reminds me of Grant Holt when he had that great season for Norwich a few years back in the Prem and just never got picked. Will, um, he hasn't been included in the England squad. He's never going to get included, is, it? is he now, Glenn Murray? It's too late, I doubt it? It. If it's I not happening now, it's just not happening. They're just got, but they're going in a different direction, aren't they? Look, Gary yeah, Cahill stepped down. Jamie Vardy yeah. stepped down. So I think that like Gareth Southgate, if he needs those kind of players like desperately, then he He'd will go turn to Vardy to anyway, though, wouldn't he? He'd look to youth, wouldn't he? He would, but I think, I think that's it. They, they, they're really um, and quite clearly building for the future, England, which is nice to see. Yep. Nah, Glenn Murray doing 
awesome. It's good to see him come, another player coming from non-league as well. Yeah, um, you great know what story. I mean? yeah. Same as Vardy. Yeah, very yeah. similar to Jamie Vardy. So it, it just shows you that in the lower leagues, there, there is some talent down there. <laughs> 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 He's got to keep grafting. Yeah, away. and the, you never know. You never know where they'll be in a few years. Do you know what I mean? No. There you, you know. go. He could make his way up. But all right. Um, obviously, the international breaks this, this weekend, so there's no, no action this weekend, which is sad for everybody. It Sucks, is, isn't doesn't it? it? I got so used to it. And mm. then it's, just, oh yeah, there's international breaks again. <laughs> international games, left, right and centre. So f- I know the they've introduced a league, haven't they? Yes, and that brings us right to our next point, the UEFA Nations League. Stop stealing his content. Sorry. Come on, man. Sorry. <laughs> Stick to right. the script, mate. I should produce this show. <laughs> <laughs> the UEFA Nations League. What is the UEFA Nations League? So it's going to begin this week. And here is a guide for all you need to know about the competition. So, you're going to be hearing a lot about this competition over the next little while. The UEFA Nations League is a competition between the 55 members nations of the UEFA, created because the UEFA and its associations wanted more sporting meaning in national team football, with associations, coaches, players and supporters increasingly of the opinion that friendly matches are not providing adequate competition for national teams. So... Does this mean there are no more international friendlies? There will definitely be far fewer, though there are still a couple of spaces in the calendar. For instance, the top nations will play four fixtures across three international weeks over the next three months, and this will leave two spare dates for international friendlies. However, Euro 2020 qualifying takes place through 2019 in March, June, September, October and November, with two games each month. So the majority of teams, and almost all major nations will not have free international dates for friendlies next year. I think it's a great initiative because, like, look at our reaction then when we just said, oh, it's the international, international break. break. Exactly. Straight away, yeah. you're on a downer and nobody wants it. They don't. And that's the way it's been over how many years it's been that we we have international breaks. Um, and, yeah, people people aren't that bothered about watching them because they'd rather watch the Prem on a weekend. So it's kind of like, oh, what do I do for the weekend kind of thing. Whenever you get international breaks in the past, it's your first reaction is, Ugh, no prem, and then you go. I hope my uh, players of the team that I support don't get injured. And mm. I think the players definitely have that. Is oh, I don't want to get injured here. Not like oh yeah, buzzing. I've got another international break. Friendly coming up. Uh, friendlies are just they're nothing. And I think this is a fantastic move by you, and a rare fantastic move. And for England, there's already been two injuries: Lalana and Sterling. I oh, know, poor Lalana, man. Like he missed out on the World Cup because of a groin strain after just coming back to the squad the Liverpool squad last season due to another injury previous to that. And he's just he's got another groin strain, the poor guy. And I, I saw Hendo talking about it um, to journos today and he's just he you can tell that he's he's gutted for him and I just and Sterling as well, but that's I think Lalana's the bigger worry. I think he's now becoming injury prone and yeah, he is. I can't see him fitting back into Liverpool squad. No. Even at fitness, I just don't think he's He's there anymore. Nah. So it's yeah, it's a, a real blow to Adam Lallana, yep. someone who's very technically gifted. Yes, so just to finish off the UEFA Nations, the format, 55 nations are split into four leagues, the stronger nations, strongest nations in League A and the weakest in League D, so it's sort of seeded. Uh, there is promotion and relegation amongst the leagues, so A, B, C, D, um, and there is actually a winner. And the finals will be next year between June 5th and 9. So this is a genuine competition put together by UEFA to make international breaks more interesting for the fans. And we're all happy about it, aren't we? It's great. Yeah, Honestly, look, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great move going forward. Very much so. All right. That's that. 
to finish this off here, I'm bringing uh, an old segment from the World Cup pod back because it was a monumental day the other day. And if you're a Newcastle fan like I am, you may have noticed what day this was. But this is the first EPL Rewind. Rewind. When the crowd say ball, selector. Rewind. This goes out to all the listeners. Oh, that is probably my favourite sting that we've done. <laughs> oh, it's definitely Fantastic. a nice one. Yes, welcome to the EPL Rewind brought to you by me this time. So, as I mentioned before, this is the 5th of September. We're recording this on the 5th of September. However, we haven't done a podcast in a week. So, on the 31st of August, 2005, on this day, on this day, Michael Owen passed his famous medical at Newcastle United and 13 years on, he is still Newcastle United's record signing at a grand total of uh, £17 million. As as a Newcastle fan, Stu, how do you view Michael Owen? Um, Well, he got a helicopter into training every day from Cheshire. So Cheshire. Cheshire, sorry. Um, from Cheshire. Um, so that sort of yeah, says, says a, a bit, bit about jarring, it from the, from the start. It? Yeah, That's a memory that I take from him. <laughs> what a baller. I know. <laughs> also, what a baller. But <laughs> what a rock star. The most boring man in world. <laughs> what football. a rock star. I don't, th- I don't think he was ever super committed to yeah. Newcastle when he sort of... I don't know, by the time he come back from Madrid, he'd feel like he was a bit jaded, wasn't he? Yeah, how's that? Madrid to Newcastle. Newcastle. Yeah, but Newcastle were good back then, mate. Were good, yeah. Oh, yeah well, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not taking the mick out of Newcastle. I'm just saying, yeah, but I think, the big, what, the and what do you thing, view it as 17 million yeah. still being the highest? That's ridiculous. That's probably the more, that's the talking point, that you 17 buy, million yeah, pounds you buy, is still the record signing. You buy fullbacks that aren't top notch for more than 17 mil these, these days. days. That's ridiculous. You buy bang average keepers for 70 mil. You know what I mean? Like, who <laughs> <laughs> day or something. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> no, less than that. Now, nah, 17 million pounds, still our record signing. Not good. Says a lot about Mike Ashley, doesn't it? So yeah, it does, definitely. And I think, I think Benitez is growing increasingly frustrating. It's been building and building, but I can really see it this season coming to a head and him bailing. Yeah. Well, it's magpie swooping season now in, oh, in Perth. That's it. So it's, it's time to swoop in. Yeah, it's time to swoop in and whoop whoop. Yeah, that's <laughs> poke a few eyes. It's spring, isn't it? It is. Don't get caught getting swooped. Wear a helmet. That's the real lesson we'd like to get across to the listeners. Yes. All right. That's <laughs> it. Keep Strong your, finish. Keep your helmets on. That has been episode five of the Shooting Zars Premier League podcast. International break this weekend, as we mentioned. We'll be doing a bit of a wrap up next week. Some at some stage. Uh, stay tuned to that for that. I'll enjoy your week training. Cheers. Game tomorrow. Game tomorrow against yeah. who? Uh, Inglewood friendly. Inglewood. You had some friendlies announced recently. You got a list of friendlies coming up. Don't <laughs> you know more than there's me, a, Bryce. There's, there's about six fixtures coming up. You got Inglewood, and then next week, mate, you've got the state WA team. State yeah, team. Yeah. I know. Look, I knew those two. They're in my uh, schedule. But apart from that, the A League season's about a month away. You're ramping up the preseason now. Is this where it kicks um, into gear? Yeah, I think we've got. We're just over a month now. It's. Um, yeah, about seven weeks, six, seven weeks now, and uh, yeah, things are really starting to ramp up. It's exciting. It's World's great. longest football preseason. Yep, he's going to be playing. What week him. are you in now? Eleven or something? Oh, I've lost count. <laughs> <laughs> the days just fly by. He's going to be playing against the world's fastest man soon, so we've got to watch out for that one. Oh, right. Usain! Bangs. <laughs> All right, Bryce, thank you very much. That Absolute has been pleasure. Episode five, as I said, we'll be back next week. Here comes Alan Shearer. It's Shearer!